Welcome to the eighth episode of Critical Connection. Stories from 20 years of the Allied Media Conference. I'm your host, Morgan Willis. And I am Jenny Lee, co-host. This episode, we introduce a new element, that is our guest interviewers. And today, we have Emmy Kane as guest interviewer of Andrea Ritchie. First of all, thank you, Emmy Kane. Um, long-time supporter, visionary, crafter of the space for helping us not do so many interviews ourselves. Yeah. Also, having Emmy as our guest interviewer allowed us to talk to people in many more places than just Detroit. In this episode, you'll hear Andrea talking about some of the amazing people and projects and ideas she has brought into the AMC since at least 2007. Andrea Ritchie and and her incredible work with Say Her Name, right, which is... um, uh, a hashtag, but also really just like a container of a demand that we articulate and actually say the names and remember and act on the memories of women lost to us um, by violence. So one of the things that stands out to me, not just the the brilliance of that work and how it continues to, to be present and, and a part of our organizing and a part of our just like collective empathy and memory um, around why and how we take action um, but Andrea, Andrea also changed the game for how tracks, practice spaces, and network gatherings were like funded. Yes, and this episode really highlights, I think, the amazing potential of network gatherings because Andrea talks a lot about the ways in which she's really been able to use that space to organize people into the AMC who might not have otherwise attended and then how they come have this transformative experience and then um, come back to bring uh, new forms of organizing. Let's get into the episode. Thank you to Andrea Ritchie for joining us today. Um, Andrea Ritchie is a black lesbian immigrant and police misconduct attorney and organizer who has engaged in extensive research, writing, and advocacy around the criminalization of women and lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people of color over the past many decades. She recently published a book called Invisible No More, Police Violence Against Black Women and Women of Color, which is available from Beacon Press, um, among many, many, many other things, in addition to being a huge part of the Allied Media Conference um, since it came to Detroit. Can you introduce yourself and talk about how you first came to the AMC? I'm Andrea Ritchie. I've been coming to the AMC since 2007, since the first year it was in Detroit. I came to the AMC kind of randomly. A friend of mine said we should go to this conference. And my first response was it was about media and I don't do media. And so I didn't understand. I mean, she had a filmmaking company, so it sort of made more sense from her perspective. But I was like, yeah, I don't know if this makes sense for me. And she was like, no, no, it's like media, like organizing. And I just couldn't really understand, but I just were using media for organizing. And I just couldn't really understand what it was, but... We submitted a proposal and to talk about participatory research as part of organizing, and it was accepted, and then we came and just fell under the thrall of the magic of the AMC. I can still remember just going from one workshop to the other and just having my mind blown over and over again, going to the musical showcase and hearing an all-black woman hard rock band that was amazing (laughs) called mascara and being out late and just feeling so much energy from the way in which creativity and music 
and also about it being a conference that was clearly centered around youth of color. Like I remember in between workshops, you'd walk through the hallways and there'd be like beats playing. And I remember the opening ceremony being mind blowing. And then, you know, we did a workshop and people were excited to connect with some of the things that we'd been doing. And it was really exciting to hear other stuff other people have been doing around participatory research. I remember going to the live arts media project workshop. They had just dropped their CD and just hearing all about that organizing project and how it had come about and how people had turned their experience of school shutdowns and criminalization into musical resistance was amazing because we were facing similar issues in New York, but, you know, I think people were not being as creative with media to talk about them and spread the word about them. And it was clear that there was something like liberating and joyful for the young people in making that as a response. I learned more about Detroit Summer and its origins. I heard Grace Lee Boggs speak for the first time. I had no idea who she was before I went to that conference. I was just so blown away by her. And I said we're also being really inspired and energized by what was happening in Detroit at the time. I remember hearing about how people were taking what I think now Ruthie Gilmore, you know, has sort of talked about as organized abandonment of downtown Detroit and taking that as an opportunity to plant seeds that would bloom in unexpected places and hearing about people taking over abandoned factories and making pop-up taquerias out of them, young people taking over abandoned schools and the neighborhoods reclaiming them and the young people deciding what their curriculum, what they wanted to learn, and then asking adults in the neighborhood to come teach it to them. It just represented so much hope and so much sense of possibility in a time when the work that I had been doing had been primarily around documenting police violence, which is an arena that I've been working in now for 25 years, and it's just not always one that feels particularly hopeful. (laughs) So it just felt like a glimpse into a different way that we could resist that could be joyful, that could involve dance parties, that could involve music, that could involve unexpected combinations of music, that could involve music in the hallways, that could involve learning how to make things you never learned could involve play, could involve so many creative opportunities. There was a workshop that was put on by indigenous youth. And the following year, they did like a workshop where they were in conversation with Palestinian youth across Skype (laughs) during a workshop session. I mean, it just, for someone who's sort of come up through traditional kind of organizing and movement work, it just, for me, opened up a whole new world of possibility and beauty. So that was my first AMC, and I've never stopped coming back since. And how do you think the AMC changed you? I mean, I think the AMC really changed me into someone who understands that part of my work is creative and helped me feed and nurture that creativity. I think the first year I was there too, there were like different kinds of t-shirts that had your medium on them, right? So some of them had paintbrushes and some of them had different computer things or whatever. And then there was one with a keyboard. And I kind of looked, I was like, well, I guess that's my medium. I guess I'm a writer, actually. And it just helped me see that as a more creative option. And it's made me kind of work on how I do that. And the other thing that AMC has deeply changed me around is the guiding principles and vision around not being issue-based, but being about the process of creation and communication as the thing that's transformative. And over the last 10 years of doing movement work, I'm now just firmly convinced of that, that actually we're not getting free until we figure out how to communicate with each other and communicate visions of another world that none of us can really imagine right now because capitalism has crimped our imagination. 
And also it's going to have to be joyful that the idea that our struggles have to be so attractive and so compelling and so much fun and so joyful that it's not about recruiting people. It's about creating something that people are just drawn to in many different ways. I think it's really changed my understanding of not just what freedom looks like, but how we get free. I come back every year because it regrounds me and re-energizes me and refocuses me on what I think is important in movements for liberation that I can get pulled off of, you know, during the year and get focused on a policy campaign or on a legal challenge or on a writing project or something. And coming back to the AMC always reminds me that it's about the communities that we create and the relationships that we have and the principles that we try and live by in everyday practice that are actually what liberation is about. I think I once described the AMC as like shining a flashlight into the future that we want to build. So I think I go back every year to like see what the flashlight can show me. And you just never know. You might see it in the opening ceremony. You might see it in a workshop where like a 12 year old's teaching you how to do something, or you might see it in like the liberation through play track, or you might see it just in the way people interact with each other, even through difficult conversations and challenges. The AMC has really completely transformed who I am and how I do this work. How do you feel like you have changed the AMC? I know this is a hard question where people have a hard time answering this one. Um, but yeah, how do you feel like you've changed, changed the conference? I am an AMC evangelist. I tell people all the time that they have to come to this conference, that their lives will be changed, their minds will be blown. And I would say that I have literally had people run up to me during the conference who I brought to the conference, look at me and be like, I have never experienced anything like this in my life with like big shooting grins on their faces and then run off like and go back to what they were doing. And everyone who's come, who I've urged to come has just had the experience I promised, right? So I think I brought Joey Mogul to the conference, who then brought Chicago Torture Justice Memorials and Survivors of Police Torture in Chicago to the conference who were like blown away by all the work people were doing. I think people have come to the conference who are kind of more policy or legally oriented who were really inspired by it. I think I've gone from like doing workshops to to doing network gatherings. I mean, the last one I did was the Say Her Name Black Trans Lives Matter network gathering, which brought together organizations that are working on police violence against black women trans and not trans and queer and non-conforming people. And it was a really great space. People just felt like they hadn't had a, to my knowledge, there had never been a day like that where people came together from across the country to talk about the work that we were all doing around police violence against black women from many different perspectives as family members, as survivors, as organizers. It was a time when there was a lot of organizing happening around the country from a lot of different angles. And people were talking about work they'd done as media makers or media that they'd made as part of campaigns. They also were all excited about the conference itself, and some of them came back and did their own network gatherings. So family members came back the next year and did their own network gatherings. A group called Transvisible came back the following year and did its own network gathering. Survived and Punished, who work on criminalization survivors, came back the next year and did their own network gathering. I think one of the best things about the AMC was the point at which AMC recognized that people were using the space to meet up and have their own meetings and then just incorporated that into the way the program works for the event. And I think the best, there's so many amazing things at the Alameda conference, but one of them is that it's such a space created and curated with love and excitement and intention by the people who attend the conference and that you can be involved in many different ways. 
And then I'm excited about like coming back to the conference and just getting to attend it. So there's lots of different ways to experience the AMC and I've enjoyed all of them. I would say one other way that I have contributed to the AMC is by bringing more conversations specifically around policing to the space. But what's been great about that is there's always been the push to move beyond just documenting and talking about the horrifying impact that policing is having on our communities and kind of following the principles right through like the, the proposal, right? The guidelines for proposals really make you think, what are you doing other than reminding us all of the existence of a problem that we're probably well aware of and going to walk away feeling disempowered by unless there's an empowering component to the workshop. I've both brought that issue to the conference and been reminded of the importance of approaching it like something that's around empowering people who are hearing about and experiencing really disempowering things. How would you describe the AMC? Like a magical place. But there's something there for you no matter who you are and no matter how you approach the issues. If you really are a musician or a DJ or a dance floor aficionado, there's three days of activities for you that are about some of the best music and the best parties and conversations about how to turn those parties into organizing spaces and spaces of love and transformation and to use the energy of those spaces to create a different world. I encourage people to go to things they've never tried or thought of before or even heard of before. Sometimes it's easy to go to conferences and just kind of go to the things that sound familiar to you, like go to something completely different. I learned how to make a robot at the AMC. <laughs> I never, you know, and it was one of the most amazing things because it was something that I wouldn't know how to do or how to build a radio station or how to silkscreen. There's just so much that you can learn. So it's a space where there's workshops on any topic that are for every kind of learner, every kind of way you want to engage. There's hands-on, there's practice spaces, there's workshops, there's plenaries, there's films, there's dance parties, there's music showcases. And then there's like the space in the middle where everyone is just sharing and creating community together. It's definitely a conference that is about youth, where the core and central energy is queer youth of color or youth of color. It's actually a multi-generational space, but it's one where youth are at the core. And like also children are at the core. Children are integrated and part of the space. Did you have a relationship with Detroit before coming to the AMC? And either way, how did the AMC change the way you experienced Detroit? I was about to say I hadn't been to Detroit before the AMC, but that's not true. I had a couple times in the 1990s when the Cass Corridor was first gentrifying. And I stayed with someone who lived in the Cass Corridor and who taught at Wayne State and was sort of taught me about the gentrification of the Cass Corridor and about the organized abandonment of Detroit. I remember also driving around Detroit with them being like, I don't understand how there's giant vacant lots in the middle of a city, I don't understand. I don't understand how there's not paved roads in the middle of a city. I just, I couldn't understand what's going on. So I sort of got a little pre-introduction. But the introduction was one about sort of the rejuvenation of the Cavs Corridor, but it was right kind of at the beginning. When I came back to the AMC, what I was hearing more was about Detroit summer and school takeovers and place takeovers. And it was a very different narrative. It was definitely a narrative of like, and we're going to grow enough food here to feed ourselves. And we are taking advantage of this to actually build the society we want to live in. There's a different narrative. So I think that that's now how my relationship to Detroit is shaped by the AMC. And I've seen it also change over time too, with the gentrification of Detroit as a whole. 
There's a lot more places to eat during the conference, which is great. <laughs> it's also a different Detroit than it was in 2007. It's been fantastic to see some of those things institutionalize into the Bog School or other formations and see community gardens institutionalize and see things really deepen and grow roots. But it's been sad also to see the gentrification of the Cass Corridor in a way that feels like that it's now a different Detroit. And But it's also been inspiring to see how people in the Allied Media Conference have use the energy and space and resources of the Allied Media Conference to resist that and to root into the local community sponsored projects in the community to make sure that stories of Detroit are told by Detroiters and to build resistance to the gentrification and to develop ways of talking about community benefit agreements, which like you say that and like people's eyes roll up, but that's actually a huge thing and it's figuring out how to talk about them. And so I think watching Detroit and the AMC organizers and affiliated projects and groups be part of that really fertile resistance to gentrification and insisting on investment in communities. It's really amazing. Something you haven't mentioned yet is your work bringing insight to the AMC and your role in helping make intentional space for women, trans, gender nonconforming people of color at the conference. Oh, yeah. I brought insight <laughs> to the AMC. Yes, that's one of the, the groups people I brought. You actually did the first insight track at the AMC and created a space um, for folks who were doing this kind of work and, um, you know, and merged those networks in this really important way. So Remy was the one who was like, we went to that first LAMP workshop and she saw Jenny Leaf still in that workshop. She was like, Jenny Lee needs to be on insight. And I was like, yes, she does. And then I came back the next year and we started maybe talking and partnering with LAMP. And then that's when I asked Jenny to be on Insight. And then that's when we did the Insight track. We were talking to Jenny Lee and trying to convince her to be on Insight. And she was like, the only way I could be on Insight that would be within my capacity if it was about deepening Insight's presence at the AMC and using the AMC as a space for Insight to organize. And I was like, done. And it's interesting because, I mean, the reason it made sense to me is because if you ask me how Insight has changed me, I would probably give a very similar answer to how AMC has changed me, even though Insight is more issue-focused and more identity-focused and uses media and communications, but statements <laughs> and posters. The posters were creative and beautiful, and Sister Fire as a kind of arts tour was exciting and beautiful and very AMC-like. But it was a really good connection because both were about pushing us to imagine very different worlds and to imagine them through relationships with each other and by creating communities of radical love and mutual accountability. And in some ways, AMC is kind of the theory of insight and practice. And so it, it totally made sense to make AMC a place where insight chapters and affiliates came together to share their brilliance with the rest of the world, but also to be able to be in community with each other in between these big conferences we used to organize called Color of Violence that people could meet each other at the AMC, hear about each other's work, and gather for community dinners and caucuses. So much has come out of the AMC. It's so hard to... It's so not linear. And that's the, and also make totally makes sense that Emergent Strategy is this iterative relationship with the AMC because that's where I first heard about Emergent Strategy. I think another way the AMC has changed me, which is also how Adrian's book has changed me, is I came up through very linear organizing and very, like, literal organizing you get a target you make a campaign you organize you build power you take down the target you move like you know classic 
that just can often feel like banging your head against the same wall over and over again. And so, or you bang your head against a wall, break it, and then find that there's five more behind it. And the AMC has always been about, that doesn't have to be the only way we do this. We can do this in ways that are much more sustaining, much more generative, much more joyful, much more inspiring, much more compelling, and much more effective at bringing us closer to the world we want to build. So I'm so grateful to people like you who make the space possible in ways that are just totally invisible. Because people just don't know the magic that's also behind the creation of the AMC, right? They might see one or two people who are the kind of face of the AMC or the main interface of the AMC, but they just have no idea like how much thinking and intention and vision goes into it. And that there's some people like you who just really hold that and are constantly saying like, what does this do for the network? What does this do to move us forward in building the container that's going to make that magic possible and holding that container really well and also contributing substantive mind-blowing content so i think the other thing about the amc is also learning to recognize the many 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 magical gifts people have and bring to spaces some of which are not always visible there's only one word that comes to mind when i think about amc and it's magical and i don't mean that in the sense of like you know stepping into a wrinkle in time or whatever like fantasy film but that's actually a place where the magic of organizing and possibility manifests itself in ways that are both ephemeral and lasting. For more information about the Allied Media Conference, go to alliedmedia.org slash AMC.